Hi, my name is Todd Johnson, and I'm here with Chris Kosteltz and Jeff Peterson to welcome you to GRIP, a four-episode podcast series about developing a deeper relationship with Christ and each other through the four letters of the word GRIP. I don't want to be in the world's GRIP. I want to be in God's GRIP. Four letters, four episodes, some great guests, and great scripture to guide us, so let's get a GRIP. Affected that whole. Uh, I thought that was pretty yeah. good. Was it pretty good? Yeah, I thought That's it was right. pretty good. Well, hey, hey, welcome, uh, welcome everybody, welcome to the uh, the third uh, third episode, season two of Grip Grip Live, and we are here for those uh, that are not in this room. We are here in the uh, in the uh, gymnasium. I think there's a fancier uh, name for it, but we're in the gymnasium here at Saint. Bartholomew Catholic Church here in Wyzetta. Uh, for those that have been listening to season two, we've been we've been on the road. We've been at Holy Name uh, of Jesus a Catholic Community in Medina, in the parking lot, in the Good Samaritan Center, and now we are we are here in a gym. In a gym. Yep. In in the gym. So uh, great to have everybody here. We got a great uh, episode here, but this is also the first episode. It's the third episode of the season. It's the first episode of 2023. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's kind of a, I've been, you know, kind of reflecting on a lot as we all are. And, and according to uh, the time, so we're a couple years, a uh, couple years, couple weeks in now to January, which means that all of our New Year's resolutions are done. Like we're not, none of them, we're not doing any of them. And uh, it's over. that's kind of how the math I heard works on that. Do you, do you make uh, resolutions, Todd? Negative. I do not. Do you, Jeff? I love New Year's, but why? Why? why just not. Just not. Why, why set myself up for failure? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking out. A show of hands. Who's kept their New Year's resolution so yeah. far? Okay, I got one. I got two. Okay. So um, there's your percentage, Chris. Do you do a New Year's resolution? I, I don't because I just wait for Lent. You know, Lent's coming. So why? <laughs> and why would I do a resolution and then two months later I have to like give something else up? So I always get I something just, from you. That is that's yeah. beautiful. No, this is my that's, two. I, don't know, I just I live your that. life by the the liturgical calendar, so like you're, a nerd. You're so. pacing. You're yeah. pacing your your resolutions. Uh, prudence, temperance. Yes. yes yeah. that's I'd be curious I, to know what percentage of New Year's resolutions are kept for longer than a month. Yeah, I don't think I'll I would. Do. See, I, I, think I think if you're going to do one, you should have like an expiration date. That's why I like Lent. It's 40 days. Then you know you're, you're done. Then you're out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In some ways, some things you should probably keep doing or stop or never do again if that you give up something. But might lead into what we're going to talk about yeah. tonight. Exactly. Well, and actually, that does because I do um, um, a lot of resolutions uh, are around. Thankfully, and hopefully, these are the ones that are kept. If, if it, even if they're only kept for a couple of weeks, it's better than no, no, none at all. A lot of them are around. Um, uh, church or, or, or the Bible or, you know, getting back into your faith and kind of building up those muscles and reading the Bible. There's been a lot over the last couple of years. I don't know if anybody here has been speaking of podcasts, you know, listening to like the Bible in a Year podcast, a lot of cool stuff out there, getting people, helping them uh, kind of uh, get into um, their, get deeper into their, their, their faith and, and, and such. And tonight's uh, episode here is is very apropos of that about the letter R. So Todd, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of a, a, a reminder of what we're going to be talking about tonight with the letter R? 
Yeah, I think what, what uh, every letter is important in this sequence of grip, but, but R has a special place because, let's face it, guys, we've got two roads that we're driving down, and, and one road that we get sucked into every day is the world's grip, and, and the world's grip, the R is standing for what are we going to read because we wake up in the morning and we get flooded with sewage right away. I don't care if it's Fox News, which stands for fear, or CNN, which stands for constant negative news, but we're always just, we're just constantly reading stuff that's driving us away and we're in the world's grip and we don't even know it. God's grip, the R is gonna stand for reading his word, reading his love letter, reading his, his living and active word. And there's such a difference, especially when we start our days. I mean, do we wanna suck from a sewage pipe right away or do we wanna suck from God's living, beautiful, pure and awesome word? So the, the hope is tonight that we're gonna talk about the importance of reading scripture and, uh, and being in God's grip because that's where the fruit truly occurs. Well, yes, let's, do it. let's do it. We are really excited to welcome uh, Father Nathan LaLiberté, who is uh, currently the pastor of Nativity of Mary in Bloomington here in Minnesota. I uh, grew up in Lakeville, Minnesota, and uh, he's, a, he's a lifer when it comes to a priest, so he entered the seminary at 18. And then, like, yeah, the, however many years later, he's a priest, like, boop priest um you just leave that out just however many years i like that well i'm not sure some guys take longer than others i don't know (laughs) like you know anyway he was ordained in 2011 and uh, when i asked him like okay besides like uh saving souls and help people go to heaven forever what do you what do you what are you passionate about father and he said he's really passionate about psychology he wants to constantly learn more about that. And he's actually, he's on his own podcast uh, with some other people here in the Twin Cities, which I'll let him tell us a little bit about. So if y'all welcome Father Nathan La Liberté. Thank you, gentlemen. It's good to be with you. It's so good to have you here. Yeah, so thanks. give us a little, I'm just, you know, it's so fun, you know, just hearing a little bit about you, you from Chris, but I'd love to just hear a little bit of your story. Where are you from? And uh, what's brought you, you know, to where you're at in life today? Chris actually shared the best of my life already, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for tuning in, everybody. That's it. <laughs> but but uh, no, as Chris was mentioning right before I came up, uh, I, I'm in uh, doing this podcast with Pat and Kenna Malay, and it's mm. this whole life, and it's kind of focused on um, Pat has done youth ministry forever. Kenna Malay is a, a, a licensed counselor, and then I'm just a priest, and so it's, it's been a lot <laughs> of fun. Just a priest. <laughs> But it's just been a blast to be able to kind of see the different insights and perspectives into the whole living of the whole person. Um, I grew up uh, in Lakeville, as Chris mentioned, and have one younger brother uh, who is in Arizona with my dad. And uh, he's pursued, he pursued a music career, and now he's going to try to go to Hollywood and do movie stuff. So hmm. who knows? I just might one have... stable choice after another. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we are yin and yang. It's just wonderful. Yeah. We're kind of just always circling in different <laughs> orbits. Do you think that's a wise choice for him to be trying to make a career in Hollywood? I think it's a fascinating choice. Okay, that's an honest <laughs> answer. I love that. It's being recorded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lasco, well, it's great to that. have you here uh, tonight, Father Nate, and great to meet you. And you know, we've, um, as we were talking before, tape rolled, and for those that have tuned in, uh, you know, we, we, we are very honored to have guests like yourself, especially uh, especially pastors, priests who have have given their life and, and answered the call, and and typically though these conversations shake down where we're asking you questions, 
from your position of kind of positional authority where you're like, how do you help people do X? Okay, mm -hmm. so if we're talking about small groups, how do you get guys to be in small groups? Or when we talk about prayer, we're gonna be grilling some priest about how do you get people to pray? And so we'll get to that with you, uh, I promise. But actually, I wanted to kind of start with what just you personally, sure. okay? When we talk about reading the Bible and really getting into the Word and and everything that we'll talk about over the next few minutes about this isn't just a book. It's not just a once upon a time in the end. There's like so much to it. Was there ever a, was there a moment for you personally where you were sort of like awoken, if that's the right term, like tense of that of that, to the beauty of the word? Yeah, I appreciate the question, and I would say I, I came about uh, the value of it uh, pretty late into the seminary career. <laughs> it was eight years. Thank you for. <laughs> you never know. Never know. You know. Yep. But uh, it, it, it held a different weight, and so I, you know, after going through, you know, my, my college level and every and even master's level, you know, you're you're reading tons of stuff. And every time I would read the stuff, it was good content, amazing philosophy, great theology, great spirituality. But when I would just get into the scriptures themselves, they held a different weight. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with that, it just, it showed me from experience that there was something more important about this. And so just, uh, I, I, in between my minor and major seminary, I had the opportunity to do a 30-day Ignatian retreat. And part of that is so you're 30 days of silence, but they're giving you all these meditations on the scripture passages. And the hope is that you would do some kind of Ignatian meditation where you're imploring your senses to allow the scripture passages to open up. Yeah. And, and I began to truly believe what I had long read is it's, it's alive. Uh, yeah. The word of God is alive. And yeah. so Ignatius of Loyola, when he was writing his rules for discernment, he, he began when he was convalescing in a bed, he got hit by a cannonball. Uh, so if you want to lick your own wounds, and he was convalescing in this monastery and he asked for kind of, you know, either romance or action novels and they didn't have any, it was a monastery. So they gave him the life of the saints and the life of Christ. Yeah. And what he found is as he oscillated between the two, he found that the things in his imagination of you know rescuing damsels in distress and fighting for a king, they were just shallow and they faded away. Um, but whenever he would meditate upon the life of Christ, it was weightier, and it mm. stuck with him. Yeah, hmm. that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I was uh, when we were talking about getting ready, and I, I was sharing with these guys. I joined a Bible study in 1994 that I'm still in today, and I just remember the first week or two that I was in there, the guy that was running the study, Dan, who's still a, just a wonderful, wonderful man of God living today. And Dan, you know, was asking me about my faith and he said, you know, you ever read the, the Bible? And I said, no, but you know, I've been a lifelong Catholic. I've listened to the word, but I never read the Bible. And he said, well, I, I dare you to, why don't you start in the book of James? And I'm going to mm -hmm. challenge you to read, read it 10 times before next Wednesday. And I'm a very competitive guy. I'm like 10 times, no problem. And uh, it just, and it's still a book that speaks to me today just because I had never, I just remember even, even in James 1, just starts out by saying, consider it pure joy when you endure many trials. And I'm like, well, this is odd, but I'm going to keep going. And, and you know, it's, it's like that proverbial karate kid, you know, you don't realize <laughs> what you're being trained for until later in life. And you're like, you go through trials and you go, yeah, it's joy because you, you're not alone. Where did I learn that from? Oh yeah, I learned that from being in the Word. Mm -hmm. And so um, I actually love giving that challenge out to young men that I, I mentor to. Just, if you don't know where to start, I don't know, 
pick up the book of James. Do you have yeah. Do you have a starting point? Yeah, I, I so I had sort of a conversion reversion. I was raised Catholic by a Presbyterian mother. And, uh, and my dad too. My dad was one of those kind of blue collar Catholic, like mass on Sunday, pray before your meals, uh, go to confession once a month, which is not a bad plan. If you're not doing that, like try that and see what happens. Um, but my, my Presbyterian mother was the one who had like 37 different translations of the Bible and the whole nine yards. And, and uh, I kind of got in my faith in high school and then went to college to be a theology major. And so like my first like exposure to scripture was really academic. Like it was real like serious study exegesis. Like it was going to the library and going to the BS section, biblical studies. And and <laughs> thank you for laughing at that, Father. So and it. It's I true, it. it's what you called it. He just goes, it's and so bad. It's, yeah. it's so true though. And anyway. You could have just said biblical studies, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, none Sorry. of them laughed at it. Anyway, so. <laughs> Cause they were all like, uh, what? Uh, anyway, so. <laughs> I really started academically, even though I had this like vibrant sacramental faith, right? And um, what really changed for me, what like moved uh, for me was discovering Lexio Divina. Hmm. And uh, I think I was a junior, maybe a senior, I don't, I don't remember. And I, I read a book as part of a, cl for a class um, by uh, a man named Thomas Keating, who uh, wrote a book called The Better Part. And he examined the community at Bethany um, as sort of the stages of uh, spiritual development. And then he said the way, to, the way to continue to progress through spiritual development is this prayer practice called Lexio Divina. And if you don't know what it is out there, um, it's basically, uh, instead of studying the scripture, it's praying with the living word of God. And you repeat uh, the, the same little chunk of scripture multiple times, three or four times. And each time, each sort of step in Lexio is a new way to kind of unpack it and experience it. And it really ends with this contemplatio, this contemplation of God's word. And man, it has just been, it has changed my prayer practice, pray, changed how I've read scripture. And, um, I don't know. I like, I think it's answered to my mom's prayers in some yeah. ways, but that's been the thing that's really moved me was, was Lexio Divina. So. Yeah. Yeah. So f father, I, so I grew up, uh, Lutheran crowd gasps <gasps> and, um, by the grace of God, I, I was introduced to the Catholic tradition, uh, later in life. And, um, but, but father growing up in the, my small little town, which I love, you know, the big, the, the, not the knock, but kind of the joke about our Catholic brothers and sisters that Catholics don't know the Bible. Like growing up Lutheran, we had that thing like six ways to Sunday, no pun intended. Like we were all over it, you know, and all of our Protestant, you know, kind of ecumenical youth groups and everything, we're all walking around with our Bibles. And then, and then you know, the, the stereotype was like, oh, the Catholics didn't know it. So t talk about that, like how dispel that myth or maybe talk about where that even comes from, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, it, it's a fascinating thing because it's very prevalent. <laughs> I've heard it many times mm -hmm. over. Uh, and people are like shocked that, you know, I even know, I can quote scripture and they're like, oh my gosh, are you Catholic or are you Protestant? And I, I think it, it, a lot of it comes from uh, the Protestant Reformation where uh, Martin Luther's heavy focus was on um, moving the scriptures into the vernacular so that all could have access to it, um, where it was very much so that uh, the Catholic Church was really trying to preserve, not misinterpreting things. And so they was really kept in Latin and the Vulgate. Uh, and so with that, right, the, the Protestant denominations kind of erupted with an exploration of the Word of God because it was really, it was, it was focused on that, um, a return to the, the sources in some ways. 
And so the entire Protestant movement was based on the word. Whereas with us Catholics, right, as we've had both the scriptures and the tradition, um, I always like to use the double helix, the... um, for the DNA yeah, is yeah. you need 23 and 23 to make someone who's healthy, right? And anytime mm. there's a variance, there's a mutation. And I always label those scripture and tradition. Mm. <laughs> and if you put more emphasis on tradition, whoo, like you're off to the races. Right. If you put more emphasis on scripture, same thing. It's got to be the perfect blending. Yeah. And that's awesome. I think yeah. that with Catholicism, we actually know a lot of scripture, but we don't know we know scripture. Yeah. Um, so just going through the mass, Scott Hahn has this brilliant book called The Lamb's Supper, and he's tracing how the mass itself is just a, an expose on the book of Revelation. So many of the things that we say just flippantly like, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, you know, like we whip that off. Yeah. Well, that's Isaiah. Like, and yeah. it's recorded again in Revelation. Like, congratulations, you can't name the ber- verse a number. But you, you got that memorized, yeah. and it's integrated, and you're falling down, and you're actually doing what you're saying uh, in worship. So to say that Catholics are not biblical is definitely not true. Yeah, We just don't put all of our eggs in that basket. Yeah, I love that analogy of, or the example, because I just had someone recently come to me and go, you know when we say, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy that for you to, uh, Lord, I'm, now I'm going to. Lord, I'm not worthy for you to enter under, under my roof. Under my roof, the word I should be. Yeah, you know, that's, from, that's from the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> exhibit what? 100 you know and, and so that that exact point right there how do you though um how do you though help people understand that the bible isn't just a it's not a reference guide it, you know it's not a it's not a i mean it is a story but it's not like a hey let's curl up with a good book and just sort of it's not like a nicholas sparks book and it's also not just Thank a goodness it's not just a reference like how do you get when you're when you're catechizing, whether it's adults or, or younger people, how do you? I mean, you just told your own story, Father, where you know you were twenty something, and then you when when you realized it, and you were surrounded by other seminarians. I mean, you kind of had the deck stacked in your favor to kind of like have this realization. How do you get parishioners to understand that this isn't, even though it's bound and it looks like it could look like another book from afar, it's not a it's it's like that you know we're not a religion of of the of the book we're a religion of the word capital yeah, w kind of thing yeah was you know? a 108 i think you know we're 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 not a religion of the book but we're a religion of the capital w word of god yeah right? so how do you yeah. get people to think of this how do you get people to look at this as not it's not another book well, I'm going to lob this back because you're all married men, I'm thinking. That's true. That's, that's, that's correct. true. Okay. So, how would you convince people that your wife is worth loving? This is recording by the way. <laughs> oh, they, <laughs> Uh, they know as soon as they meet her. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, I it's a see question. exactly where you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, p- part of it, right, is as I am in love with the word of God, that's actually the conviction of which you speak about it and what makes it attractive. Yeah. And so if, if I was talking about, let's say I was married and I'm, you know, talking about how amazing my wife is at the end of the conversation, you're like, I want to meet that woman. Hmm. Well, that, that's how it's supposed to happen is you're like, this is the delight of my life and I can't wait for you to meet. The same is true with the scriptures. And so hopefully as I'm preaching, as I'm proclaiming the word is it's making the, the scriptures come alive to the point where people are like, I want that too. 
And the only thing to get isn't like this special relationship that Father Nathan has, or I need to get ordained and then I can be holy, or I'm not holy, by the way. <laughs> it's just a yeah. disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Um, but it, it's, I, I want access to what he's accessing, and we have the same font. Yeah. I love that. And you know what it's surrounding you of is, and by and large, us Catholics, we do speak with that level of conviction and passion when we talk about the Eucharist. Okay, like if we're all doing it right, talk to somebody about you know, the you know the body and blood of Christ, and and and, and Catholics light up and speak with that. But we don't, I don't think, necessarily speak with that same level of conviction. It's even Mass, you know, mm -hmm. you got the Liturgy of the Word, Liturgy of the Eucharist. It's like, all right, let's get to the Liturgy of the Eucharist. You know, that's kind of what we're here for. Whereas the Liturgy of the Word, like this is, this is God right here, like in front of us. Like right here in the reverence that I have every time I walk up to receive the precious blood and, and, and the body is the same, I should have that same reverence as I'm, as I'm getting into these words because it's not like God's challenging me to interpret, like it's all right here mm -hmm. in the language that we speak. So it can't be more like- Accessible. Exactly. And so I think that's just what you said, we need to, develop the same level of passion and conviction about this as we do because we have it in us you know yeah i think that's one thing about coming to mass right like we know that we're there to receive the eucharist in some way and we have some sense of when that that's that's easier for us to get our arms around and of course we do understand that god's presence is uniquely present in the eucharist right um but we're there to receive scripture so when we come to mass how are we choosing to receive it? You know, I think, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life, might've been last weekend, um, when you get to mass and you're like, all right, I'm just gonna press the, the, the play button on my, my normal, so there used to be these things called tapes. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I press play on my tape what? when I go to mass. Like, this is how I go to mass. And oftentimes um, that, that I don't, I choose, I haven't chosen at times, to receive the word of God, to do purposeful action, to make sure that I receive God's presence in that, um, in the same way I might choose to be purposely aware of receiving God's presence in mm -hmm. the Eucharist. I don't know, I think that's something that we can grow in as Catholics. I love that. You know, something, something you said about the, the equal nature between the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the Eucharist, which is very fascinating and just in our architecture of churches. Uh, so I, I've had the opportunity to do some remodel work in, in some of the parishes I've been in. And one of the things that the um, general instruction for the Roman Missal says is that the altar and the pulpit should have an equal dignity mm -hmm. and often be made with the same materials mm -hmm. to show that where the word of God is made flesh on the altar and the word of God is proclaimed should actually have equal dignity. And so... Yeah. If you see some of like the ornate um, uh, gospel, book of the gospels that are carried in, like they look very similar to how the monstrance would look where we put the Eucharist in, right? It's, it's trying to show that there is this very ornate, uh, elaborate thing to help our visual senses pick up on those cues. I love that, yeah. yeah. And just that reverence too, and this is not in the script, so sorry guys, I'm going off board, but I'm just moved by I didn't in this script, room by here. The way. <laughs> I know, exactly. That's what we do to our, to our guests. Uh, no, but, but just I, in this room, and this is not going to, this will not play well for people listening, but in this room, right in this room, Larry Dini and Jamie Wojciechowski are in this room, and there, I'm sure there are other readers in this room as well, but the reverence yeah. by which 
There's Jamie, where's Larry? There's Larry. The reverence by which you men read the word, and Todd, obviously, you're like, there, but you're in the no, nope, you picked league. the right two. But but nope. that is exactly what Father Nate's talking about: is that that honor, that that awe, A W E, yeah. that you read with is so inspiring. And I just want to thank both of you guys for being great examples. And again, I don't mean to cite anybody else here who reads, but I just, for me, you two have been just pillars of what Father Nate is talking about. I think just well, just to close that loop, if that's okay, and I, I didn't realize there's a script, so no, I'm there's way not. off. And no, there's, no, there's the script is there just to guide us. Okay, the uh, Holy Spirit's really guiding us, but yeah. But but I mean, the fascinating thing, especially in our Catholic faith, right, is without the scriptures, there's no Eucharist. Right. So literally, Amen. the confection of the Eucharist happens when the priest says words from the Bible. And then because of his ontological change in priesthood, boom, the Eucharist happens. So like just even in that act itself, they're inseparable. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, again, as we're, as we're dialoguing and doing apologetics with our Protestant brothers and sisters, just really to say, it, I mean, we so believe in the power of the word that it is the central focus, the source and summit is where word and tradition come together. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I'm going to back up just even a bit because I want to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the people listening right now and the people that will listen to this. And, and I do a lot of mentoring of young men. And I just, you know, a lot of guys are like, okay, great. I'll pick up the book of James or I'll do this. But I'm even going to back it up a little bit further because this was something that was taught to me when I was younger on in my walk with Jesus is where is our, where is our Bible? And, and mm. what presence does it have in our daily life? And I learned this even from one of my brothers, my brother, Rich. I mean, he doesn't leave any, he, everywhere he goes, he has his, the word of God with him. And, uh, you know, you, you, whether you're going on an airplane, whether you're going into a meeting. Uh, and so I just think there's something tangible about how, where is physically, as, as us men, where are we keeping our, our Bible? And, and I don't want to just have it out to say, yeah, I got my Bible here because I want to get, I want to get into it. But it, you inevitably get into it when it's part of your physical life. And uh, I'd like to encourage you guys to, uh, to think about that in your own journeys of where's, where's, your, where's your word? I remember my wife early on when we were traveling, she's like, are you sure you want to take that? She doesn't ask that question anymore, but always just like, you know, we're just yeah. going for a night. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen you without your Bible. Like, whether we're meeting at Starbucks or whatever, I don't think you've that. I've seen that. You, it's like. It's, it's, it's like eyeglasses for you. you know well, I mean? you know, and there, there is an awesome line, and, and this, this should really rattle us in Psalm when it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. I can see just fine. Why do I need a lamp? The psalmist knew what the dark world is that we live in. I mean, if you guys think about that, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It makes me emotional just thinking about because I think the average person would say, I don't need a lamp. The lights are on just fine. Mm -hmm. But God's living word is that true light for our journey in this temporal world. Chris, how do you, because um, you do a lot of stuff with, oh. I mean, in, with both, you know, in your past life, youth, faith formation, catechesis, and now adult. How do you, as a, as a, um, in that role, like, did you find, and I hate to, to diminish this into like tips and tricks, but is there anything that you found to be, effective in getting people to embrace the word? Yeah, here are seven ways that you can <laughs> exactly. learn. Hypnosis. Number one. I'm just kidding. I think, um, can I a pen? I think, yeah, I think there are a couple of things that I would say. First of all, I just want to say like, um, for any guy out there who doesn't know where their Bible is right now, um, God loves you. Like it's Amen. okay. Like, um, thank you for that. I had a moment in my life. I'll never forget this. I've been a youth minister like 
not a short amount of time, like maybe seven years or something, and I was at my house, and I had to look up something, and I wanted to use, for some reason I wanted, or maybe I wanted, I wanted a physical Bible, not just on my phone, and not just online. I couldn't find a Bible at my house. I got an office of 30 of them. <laughs> you know, like, this is one of my, like, study Bibles. Like, they're all a mess. Like, they're all falling apart. But I didn't have one with me at my own home. I mean, I had a child, I had a wife, and I couldn't find a Bible. Wow. Like, I was pretty convicted by that moment. But I think, I think Todd's first thing is, um, how do you change from, from eating potato chips to eat fruit? You hide the potato chips and you put the fruit on the counter. So mm, like, the first, awesome. the first way to like, read scripture all the time and every day is to have it available. Um, there are some gentlemen who maybe are a little older than me in the world who grew up with a family Bible sitting out at their house, yeah. you know? And I think that is, that was like, you know, they weren't allowed to touch it, uh, <laughs> but, but it was there. And I think that's the difference. Like now, like you're in charge of your house. Um, you can put a Bible out on the counter and leave it there until your wife tells you to move it. And then um, you can touch, you can have it right there. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is, um, I think Father Mike, Mike's podcast, Bible in a Year, is a great way to start. I think the other way to, to get into scripture that, um, for Catholics in particular, is just reading the, the, the mass scriptures of the day. There's mm -hmm. a thousand ways you can get that. There's emails, there's little booklets, Magnificat, uh, there's seven apps I have on my phone that have it. You know, like, there's a lot of ways you can access that, but if, if, you, if you just read the daily mass readings, in fact, if you just read the Sunday mass readings, sometime during the week in preparation for Sunday. You, first of all, in the course of three years, you'd cover a lot of this book. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you'd be part of the longest standing, uh, most people ever uh, involved, Bible study in the history of mankind. Yeah. It's 2,000 years we've been reading through these scriptures, right? As a people of God. Yeah. And if you just did that, you could say, oh, I'm in a Bible study. <laughs> You know, like we meet on Sundays, a lot of us. Larry reads at it, um, you, know, like, you know? But I, I think I, for me, those are the kind of the top ways, like make sure it's accessible, find some sort of uh, accountability or aid, whether it's Father Mike or some other sort of uh, thing that kind of helps you get into it. And then finally, I'd say like, when in doubt, just read the scriptures that are gonna be at mass that day yeah. or that Sunday. Yeah, Father, how do you balance both for you personally, but also as you're trying to, you know, shepherd your flock, uh, um, the reading the Bible, like getting into the like deep end of the pool, with other like complementary texts, you know, books from whether it's, you know, I don't know, I'm, now I'm blanking, of course, Richard Rohr or, or whatever, you know what I mean? That that are around it, commentaries. How do you how do you how do you round that out, or is there a rounding out? Um, so this is an opinion, okay? I just mm -hmm. want to be very clear on that. Uh, I, I, I actually tell, this is Teresa of Abel would often say this, is if the scriptures are captivating you, put all else aside and only read that. Yeah. If the scriptures are dry and you're not getting anything out of them and they're feeling very like, you know, then switch over to a spiritual book. But the primacy of place always relies on the scriptures. So if you're if you're actually getting captivated by it, just go. And and the goal is not. I mean, this is we're so formed to counterintuitive. Like here's an article, read it. Uh, here's a book, finish it. You know, yeah. it's not that's not how the scriptures work. Uh, you 
you kind of mosey through it. Uh, we, Father Bear, who is my rector in minor seminary, would say, "Do not play Russian or do not play Bible roulette with your Bibles. Like, you're not going to be like, okay, God, what do you want to say? And then like, yeah. boom, the Bible opens, and you're like, finger and, <laughs> huh? I have to sacrifice my son on the mountaintop. I'm like, some weeks, Father. <laughs> some weeks. <laughs> So you guys I, only have daughters, so you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, Leo. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that there is a way that we can kind of super, make the scriptures superstitious rather than nourishment. Yeah. And I would say just, just really kind of just grab kind of a small section and just kind of read through it. And if it starts to captivate you, just stick with it as slow as it might be. Um, you, you don't need a lot. I mean, so if, if I'm going to which I never go to, but I've heard people go to these like really expensive restaurants and they have like just these small little portions. Yeah. The, the goal is not to leave the table stuffed, but actually to like experience something that is of such great value and worth that you're not gonna have anywhere else. The complexities of taste and all these things. Yeah. So like, this is where I, I mean, when I go with my friends for the sushi, we usually stop at McDonald's on the way home, you know, because <laughs> you need something to actually Sorry. fill you up. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm I might be going yet. to the wrong sushi place, mm -hmm. but. And, and I think that there's something to that in the scriptures. Like the, the goal is not to have the same effect as a spiritual reading would have. Yeah. Um, it's something of much greater value. And if it's captivating you, then stick with it. Yeah. I have a good friend uh, that just, it just reminds me of a good practice too, because when he's reading the word, uh, this is my dear brother, Brian, he will, he will a lot of times just focus in on one verse and he'll focus, he'll read it many times, but he'll stress a word each time. So, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he'll say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things with, through Christ who strengthens me. And he'll kind of keep going through that. Cool. It just reminds me of what you're sharing. It's just a little nugget, but he's just praying with that verse. And, and I'll also just throw out this because this was, we just found this, I just read this in Bible study a few weeks ago, and I just thought this was so great to be reminded of God's grace that Peter was, uh, Peter was writing at the end of his letter and he was telling his listeners, he said that um, he's talking about Paul and he just said, you know, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. It's like, thank you, Jesus. I'm not the only one, <laughs> you know, and he says, which ignorant and unsta unstable people distort as they do other scriptures, which, by the way, is so crazy that Peter was already recognizing Paul's letters as scripture. But just give yourself grace that there's going to be things that we read in this book that we're going to that maybe God hasn't revealed to us yet. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I, Father, I just want to emphasize what you said about that sort of morsel, right? That nugget. I, um, I was in the chapel, uh, I had regular hour in our adoration chapel, and I decided I was going to read through the, the book of Acts because I realized, like, that's the book, like, like Gospels, I pretty much know what happens. Um, but I wasn't sure, like, I had never really read through Acts just, like, straight through. And I started by, I was going to read a chapter every time I went to the chapel. And, like, I couldn't do it. And not because I can't read a whole chapter in an hour, um, but because like I'd get into it and there'd be something I had to stop at. Yeah. And I recognized I was getting to the point where it was like basically a sentence. Mm -hmm. It was basically a short piece of a story. Um, it was one, one speech by Peter, you know, like it was, it was very much smaller chunks. And I just, I just want to share that to give people freedom to like, don't, don't feel like you have to like more is better. Less is more yeah. in that in that way in a lot of ways. I totally agree because just when you said that, Father Nate, about about it's not like an assignment. It's not like here's an article you have to read it. Here's a book you have to finish it. It's, and and if we approach it as 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 
because it is, the Word of God, if Jesus walked through the door, the last thing any of us would be doing was looking at the clock going, all right, well, I got 15 minutes, so let's get this done, right? <laughs> you, would, you would stay with the Word, capital W, as, for as long as it took. And if there were only five words said, mm. you'd be like, great, let's keep saying those five words, you know? Yeah, so I think, yeah. that, I think that is, and sometimes I do think the construct, the physical construct of, of the Bible and the fact that, again, it looks like a book, it smells like a book, you know, whatever, that yeah. it, it does, it does a, a but, You know, I, I, I don't want to be in God's word so that I get something because I think we have to just be satisfied with Jesus, period. That it's not Jesus dot, 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 that, it's, that we get God. There is so much fruit out of that. And just kind of a generic question. Do you, do you see, a generic question, because I'm just curious as a priest, do you see tangible fruit from people that you shepherd who you know are soaking up the Word of God? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And just, I do a lot of spiritual direction, both at the seminary and diaconate program and just at the parish level. And I've, I found that a fruit that someone's communing with God is they're enamored by the word. Mm-hmm. And, and un, it just happens so consistently mm-hmm. is as I'm watching a soul progress towards God, suddenly they're just like, I just, I, I'm falling in love with, you know, this book of the Bible or this passage, and they're just getting moved to the scriptures, which is a great litmus test, right? Is if I have no attraction to the word of God, something's wrong in my mm. spiritual life. If it's like just like, oh, you know, I could take it or do, you know, whatever. I, I like my walks in nature. Like that's how I communicate with God. It's like, okay, that's great. Like, are you meditating on, are you chewing on a word of God while you're going on those walks? Um, because that, that really is where we should it's just it's a sign that things are going right, um, that we know what good food looks like. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. No, I think that's beautiful. And I think, I just think to a lot of people who I know who have gone through, you know, their sort of moments of spiritual growth, especially even like uh, further into, into life, there is an almost awakening to the joy that scripture brings. And I think um, joy and peace, I think, are sort of undeniable signs of God's presence in, in moments. And, infallible. And, uh, infallible, mm-hmm. I think is the word I meant to say. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so when someone like is overjoyed about scripture, which like we can all be inspired, like that's a comfortable place for us. Like I was inspired by that. But when you're like excited in like a joyful and a giddy kid-like way, that's a good sign that the Lord is there and there in that journey. And I, I've seen that in people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's good. Um, Father, I got another question for you. Um, we've talked, you talked a little bit about like taking little bites of scripture, but like, how do you read the scriptures? As someone who's, you're a full-time priest. Um, <laughs> not a, not a not side, a not a side hustle. A yeah. Yeah. Is, is this good? Is the archbishop going to be listening to this? That's, <laughs> that's not a distinction as if there are part-time priests, but you're a full-time priest. Um, and so you have to do this every day, like as part of your work work, but how do you read scripture yourself? Like for you? Uh, my my favorite. So we're, we're obliged to do the breviary, uh, which is a, a compilation of psalms and scripture passages that we take a promise to pray for the church um, at least five times a day. Uh, mm. And so th- that's one of the primary places that I actually will just kind of ingest it on a consistent basis. Um, and it's the psalms, the recitation of the psalms. This is ancient in the monastic tradition. This is actually where the rosary came from, if you didn't know. Uh, in monastic communities, those who could read were like the priests usually, and they would recite the Psalms in Latin uh, back and forth, uh, and they would go through all 150 Psalms in the week. 
Well, the lay brothers who were uneducated couldn't, and so that every time they recited a psalm, they would just take a little stone, and they would say the Our Father prayer, and they would move it to another bag. Oh. And then some brilliant monk got the idea to tie them together with knots, hmm. and if you do all three mysteries of the rosary, it's 150. So... Yeah, so, it's, it's, so I mean, even kind the rosary itself has scripture tradition in it, uh, the recitation of the Psalms. Yeah. Uh, I found that the Psalms give an expression of the human person. I, I said I like psychology, mm-hmm. and the Psalms can hit you when you're really high. Uh, they can hit you when you're really low, when you're just kind of doing normal stuff. They have the entire human experience. Yeah. And I, I just always found um, they slow me down. Uh, just like talking to a person slows you down. Like it, if you're not attentive to who you're speaking with and you're just rushing through, like you had mentioned, you know, Jesus comes in, it's like 15 minutes, let's go. All right. Like, no, no one does that when they're engaged in an uh, important conversation. Yeah. And the Psalms do kind of slow me down. Yeah. Uh, I, I do obviously pray over the scriptures when I um, are preparing for a homily. Uh, and that is for me kind of one of the more exciting things because it's where the lord will show up in very unexpected ways uh one of our um so it's, it's interesting you talked about grip being the grip of the world or the the grip of god mm-hmm. and our one of our homologues professors said you should grip in both hands the newspaper and the scriptures <laughs> and he said because you have to stay anchored in the word because the word came to save the world and so how do we keep in mind that how does the word influence the world that mm. we live in? And so as I'm preparing for the homily, it's trying to find out, yeah. like, what can I actually say, Lord, that you want to speak to your people in this day and age? Hmm. I'm 98, 98% sure it's Thomas Merton. He said, Bible in one hand, newspaper in the other. Seriously? Yeah. Wow, my professor totally <laughs> quoted himself. You know, you, you quote the guy the first time. The second time, you say, I heard. Third time, it's yours. <laughs> it's totally yours. Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you could give, just if someone's coming to you, if someone's listening to this saying, Father, I want to get into the Word of God, what, what advice would you just start with? So I, I, I would, let's go back to like the hungry uh, analogy. If, if you were to going say... going to the Beatitudes. Thirst, uh, blessed are those who thirst. Yeah, hey, hey, look yeah. at that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we're, we're studying right now in Bible study, so I'm stealing it. But yeah. But it is so exa- if you said, I'm hungry, what's the next question I'm going to ask you? For what? Boom. And then we narrow down where we're going to bring you for dinner. All right? Mm. It's the same thing as to say, you know, okay, what are you looking for in your, in your spiritual life? Well, I'm, I'm really looking for the fact that God is seech- searching after me. All right, well, let's, let's try to find some parts in the scriptures that have something to do with that. Um, I, I'm really curious about who God is, you know, and how he's been faithful to his people, or how mm-hmm. does he deal with people in suffering? Like, okay, let's go to Jeremiah or Lamentations. Uh, so part mm-hmm. of it is that appetite nature, and to say, okay, why is that desire coming up right now, and how can we feed you with the particular books of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say, if you just kind of want to like do a survey, Proverbs is great because there's 31. And so you can do one each day. So if you just kind of want to survey and be like, okay, I just want to kind of try this thing out. You got a whole month with Proverbs. There we go. And they are awesome nuggets. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love Proverbs. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, Father Nathan Liberté, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you to everybody here who showed up. Thanks for anybody listening. Hopefully the last few minutes here have been um, 
And I'll just say, hopefully, anybody who's listening, hopefully it's been as inspiring for you as it's been for me. This has been I think amazing. Thank, going thanks, everybody, for joining so. my own personal night here. But yeah. this has been great. Thank, Thank you again. Thank you so Thank much, Father. Thanks for the way too quick.